engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. Hello and welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. I've got the radar pulled up. The Atlanta radar is in clear air mode, meaning that they don't think there's any rain in there yet. But it's coming, folks. The rain is coming overnight. We'll keep you posted here. The phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. It's actually big news because he is the world's richest man. Jeff Bezos and his wife have finalized their divorce. He'll be keeping 75% of their shared stock in Amazon. She will become the third largest shareholder of Amazon stock, putting her as the uh, fifth richest woman in the world. Uh, That whole thing is just a shame, though, nonetheless. Okay, Stacey Abrams. Can we discuss Stacey for a few minutes? Uh, She has said a couple of interesting things, uh, one of which was on Morning Joe this morning, talking about her conversations with Joe Biden. Stacey, you've seen all the reports over the last several weeks that you and Vice President Biden have talked about a joint ticket and that he might roll out his campaign with you at his side. Are those reports accurate? Not at all. You haven't had any conversations about being on a ticket with Joe Biden? I have had conversations with Joe Biden about him running for president, about me running for president, about me running for Senate, about me running for dog catcher. But not about a joint ticket. Hmm. Makes you wonder there. Yeah, you listen. I know enough about how news reports are generated in you know, like I I used to years ago before they went off the cliff. Uh, I was never paid, was never an analyst, uh, but was regularly on MSNBC. I, I, I wrote on their website. Um, they made the hard, I guess that was in 2004. Then they decided to make their hard left pivot. Um, but then I was on CNN for three years. I was at Fox for five years. I know enough about how news is collected and gathered in this country that the story about Stacey Abrams and Joe Biden has to come from a leak and more likely than not from the Biden team and more likely than not was a trial balloon that even the reporters who leaked it knew going into it uh, that both sides would deny it. Uh, This is actually one way a lot of stories get out. The Trump administration actually is not very good about doing this compared to others. And a lot of that actually has to do not with the Trump team per se, but with uh, they don't have enough friends out there to help them do these things. But whether you're a Republican or a Democrat, typically what you will do in situations like this when your campaign is getting off the ground or when your administration is considering policy changes, what you do is you leak it to a friendly reporter. You link it to a federal reporter and say, hey, I'm thinking that we need a story out there that says the candidate recognizes his age. He needs to reassure people that um, he's going to have a succession plan in case something were to happen since he's so old. And he's thinking that Stacey, he would come out of the gate with a running mate. That running mate would be Stacey Abrams. So the reporter knows that this is a trial balloon and runs out and writes the story. Oh, sources close to the vice president and close to Stacey Abrams tell me that they've had these conversations. You write it up, well, and then it gets circulated. Every major news outlet ran the story based on, I forget which the original publication was. I think it was Axios, maybe. Axios for the political one. Every major publication then ran these stories about this issue. And then Joe Biden and Stacey Abrams come and say, no, 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 no. We deny this. That's not true. And the reason they're denied is because people reacted badly to it. Democrats reacted badly to it. 
Republicans reacted badly to it. Independent voters reacted badly to it. And then when when people saw it, Stacey Abrams decided she would turn against the story as well. It wasn't doing her any favors now. So she walked it back. Now she's floating herself as possibly running for president. And it, now they're trying to get rid of the rumor. And again, it was a trial balloon. It was manufactured by the campaign. It was floated to a friendly reporter to see what people's reaction to it would be. Why? Because it was not worth them spending the resources to poll it. How do you poll such a thing to begin with? So you float it in the media as a trial balloon, see how people react to it. And when people react negatively, you say, I don't know where they're getting this. This is crazy. We never did this. We deny it. Are, are you considering a run for the White House? When, you should jump in. I, I am thinking about it. I truly am. I think that the timing for me is first deciding about the Senate, because I do think you cannot run for an office unless you know that's the job you want to do. Mm-hmm. I don't think you use offices as stepping stones. And so my first responsibility is to determine whether a Senate run is right for me. And then the next conversation for myself will be, if not the Senate, then what else? Okay, but that's a pretty quick timeline, though, on a decision? It, it is. Well, I, I think the, the Senate decision is going to be pretty sh- uh, short-term. Mm-hmm. I intended to do it in March, but because of my book tour, I had to push it back. But I do want to make a decision this month. Here's my, here's my thinking on Stacey Abrams. I think she wants to run for governor. And her calculation is... If she, does she run for the Senate or does she run for the presidency as a way to keep her in the spotlight so that she can run against the governor in 2022? Because she knows she is smart enough to know that she will not win a presidential nomination. Stacey, for all of Stacey Abrams' fault, she is not a dumb person. So I really think what she's doing is is her calculation is not which one could she win, but which one continues to keep her viable to run for governor. That's what she really wants to do. And maybe she could run against David Perdue, but if she runs against David Perdue and loses, it makes her deeply vulnerable in 2022 to a primary challenge. Because there are a lot of other Democrats who would like to run against Brian Kemp, believe it or not. And so she runs against David Perdue and she loses. Well, then that makes her very vulnerable. If she were to win, well, then it would be bad form for her to then two years later run for governor. Republicans would easily cast her as a perennial candidate. And if she were to win, by the way, if she were to win the Senate against David Perdue, that would suggest that the president would also lose Georgia, which suggests the president loses reelection, which then in 2022 puts a Democrat in the White House, which actually helps the Republicans, which helps Brian Kemp. So maybe instead she runs for president. She runs on the issue of voter suppression. She runs on the issue of stirring the racial uh, animosity within the country. Uh, She loses, but she's run a single-issue race on a noble campaign, and the media heralds her and sets her up for the 2022 race. That that means that maybe she will run for president as a single-issue candidate. But the big thing I want to focus on with Abrams, she's keeping herself in the news on this book tour. Uh, Again, as I've said repeatedly over the last number of days, a lot of the reason Stacey Abrams is getting so much media attention now is white guilt among liberals. She is playing that very, very well. She's taking advantage of it. She understands it. You have a lot of white liberals in the media who were fixated on Beto O'Rourke against Ted Cruz, who really didn't have a shot. Because of the election in Georgia in 2018, Stacey Abrams actually did have a shot and had the media spent more time boosting her nationally and covering her the way they covered Beto, maybe she could have gotten into a runoff. Maybe. 
So she's taking advantage of that now for her book tour, making herself some money selling books. Her book, by the way, it's uh, Michelle Obama's book came back out this week, I guess, in in softcover, in in paperback. And Ben Shapiro, uh, Pete Butterjudge, Michelle Obama, they're all doing better than Stacey Abram, who's on this whirlwind book tour. She's on Stephen Colbert as well. But she is making some money off of it. But she also, she spoke at that progressive group, the National Action Network in Washington, D.C., and she had this to say. Pay close attention to this. There's some serious points we need to note about Stacey Abrams uh, going Donald Trump. In the state of Georgia, black people faced hour-long lines, up to four hours, waiting to cast their ballots. 53,000 people were held hostage by a system that a federal judge said was racially discriminatory. 53,000 people, 90% of whom were people of color, 70% of whom were black. I live in a state where one and a half million people got purged, including 600,000 right before my opponent threw his name into the ring. They closed 214 polling places. They rejected absentee ballots at an unheard of rate. They said that if your signature didn't match, your vote didn't count. Well, my signature doesn't match from Kroger to CVS. Now, you've heard it. Let me play this again and stop along the way. In the state of Georgia, black people faced hour-long lines, up to four hours, waiting. Black people. Note no, no what she said. Black people. Does she not think white people waited in line as well? This is Stacey Abrams doing what the media criticizes Donald Trump for doing. The media criticizes Donald Trump for stirring white resentment. The media says that when Donald Trump says what he says, like, for example, they're blasting him for referring to Puerto Rico as that other country, that uh, Donald Trump is stirring the racial pot. Donald Trump is feeding grievance to white voters in a way that that breeds a level of white resentment, class resentment and white nationalism. That's exactly what Stacey Abrams is doing here. She's doing it with black voters, though, not white voters. The media is not going to call her out on that. She's saying black voters waited for an hours, up to four hours in some cases, to vote. Georgia does not break its precincts down by, um, by race. Georgia doesn't do that. White voters waited in those lines, too. White voters didn't jump ahead of the line of black voters. If a white voter was behind a black voter and it took the black voter four hours to vote, it took the white voter four hours and however many extra minutes to vote. There was no discrimination in the wait. And yet Stacey Abrams is on a stage saying that black voters are the ones who suffered this. No, all voters suffered this in Democrat counties that ran these local elections. It was Democrats who did this, not Republicans, not Brian Kemp. It was Democrats. It was the Democratic boards of election in DeKalb County and Fulton County and elsewhere where these massive lines were. And all people, regardless of race, suffered through them. And she's not telling you that. She's not. If Donald Trump said this about the white voters in DeKalb and Fulton County and said, look at these local Democratic boards of election, white voters had to wait four hours to vote for me. The media would be be beside themselves. 
And that's exactly what Stacey Abrams just did. And there's absolute silence from the media because the media is biased. And you need to understand that. Not all of us sleep the same way. 63% of Americans sleep on their sides. Are you one of them? I am. My butterfly pillow gives you support in the places you need it most, keeping your neck and spine in alignment throughout the night, even if you switch sides. My butterfly pillow is patented sleep technology. It elevates your head to where you need it. it. Includes a place to fit your arm and a pillow and a pillow for your ear, which is soft and comfortable, even if you stay in one position all night. The height of my butterfly pillow is even adjustable. Do you fall asleep to white noise or meditative sounds? Well, my butterfly pillow has a Bluetooth adapted night owl speakers, so you can listen to music sounds or even a smart TV while you're laying down. Listeners to my show can save $30 off the list price of $129. Is it worth it? Yes, I think it is. It's become my napping pillow. Lay in bed, listen to music, listen to the call map that I talk to you about sometimes. It's a great, great, great pillow. Use code Eric at checkout at mybutterflypillow.com. You'll get My Butterfly Pillow for just $99 and free shipping in the continental U.S. Again, go to MyButterflyPillow.com, enter code ERIC, E-R-I-C-K, at checkout. You'll save $30 and get free shipping. That's MyButterflyPillow.com. Checkout code ERIC. Sleep, relax, lay down, enjoy some music in your ear, and have a comfortable pillow. It is Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I, I, I didn't intend to spend this long on this bit of audio, but I, I do want to continue walking through what Abrams said in this speech. Uh, let's play a little more. This is Stacey Abrams speaking to left-wing group, uh, the National Action Network. 53,000 people were held hostage by a system that a federal judge said was racially discriminatory. 53,000 people. 53,000 people, a federal judge said it was racially discriminatory. The, the, the federal judge didn't actually say that. The federal judge noted that there were a, a the majority of the people affected were minorities in the system. Uh, but let's also remember that of those 53,000 people, these are the people who uh, they filled out their paperwork to become voters and they didn't. Of those 53,000, a significant portion of them were high school students participating in voter registration drives who had not yet turned 18. When they became 18, they would automatically become on the voter rolls. But until then, uh, as long as under Georgia law, if you are 17 years old and you turn 18 before the election date, you can go on and file your election paperwork and it is held in the system with those 53,000 people. And then you're applied of those 53,000. Additionally, 14,000 of them were names that the Stacey Abrams campaign had filed in 2014 and had wrong information. And those voters have never come forward to correct their information despite attempts to find them. 90% of whom were people of color, 70% of whom were black. So you're acknowledging that it wasn't just black voters who were targeted, nor was it just minorities. Yes, and you can say 90%, but again, where does that number come from? 14,000 of those people were forms filled out by the Abrams campaign for people who purport to exist, but no one's ever been able to find. I live in a state where one and a half million people got purged, including 600,000 right before my opponent threw his name into the ring. And why was that? It was because of a law passed by the Democrats uh, 
that required that the voter rolls be cleaned up. And in 2015, when it was to be done, a federal judge said, no, you can't. We need to see if you're discriminating and spent the year 2016 determining that there was no discrimination. And so by law, it couldn't happen in an even numbered year. So Brian Kemp had to do it in 2017. And guess what? It was an Abrams back group that had filed that lawsuit. She's manufacturing the problems and then trying to capitalize on them as if they're scandal. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number is 404-872-0750, wsb talk Let's go to the phones. Emmanuel, been waiting patiently in Atlanta. Thanks for waiting. Hey, is this me? Is that my yeah, phone? It's you. <laughs> how you doing, Eric? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. I just want to first say that um, I really value your thoughts. I think that you're a very uh, thoughtful person, and I think that you try to reach um, I think a, a wide range of thoughts and perspectives. However, I, <laughs> I was about to say, there's got to be a butt coming up. <laughs> it, 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 is, it, it, it is a butt. However, I've, see, I've seen you on Bill Maher. I mean, uh, you know, I've watched you and I listen to you. I listen to AM 750, although I, I don't particularly agree with uh, all of the views, but I, I, I try to like <laughs> stay level headed. I try, I try to keep it. All at right. A, at all a, right. Okay. So, so here's my, here's my question. So you picked and, ch- and chose different little you know, segments of uh, Stacey Abrams' speech to sort of accentuate your point, like to make it like, you know, big. Well, but and, but and just to be clear, I, I, one, thing I, one thing I don't do, Emmanuel, is, is I don't splice stuff together. So that was all her one segment of that speech. So just so nobody thinks I actually took a one little bit and, and pasted it into another little bit, that was her, her one little section there that I didn't, I didn't okay. cut well, it up. Then, th- okay, th- thanks for the clarification. But I'll also say that I think it's complicated. I think that so everything that you said about, well, from what you played and from what I heard is correct. Um, and white people, black people, Asian, Hispanics, whomever, stay in line. And, and, and so that narrative that was pushed from what, you, from what I heard, that was incorrect. But I also feel like, um, I mean, voting rights laws and things like that have been a problem in America for a long time. So we cannot, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other conversation, but that's something that's worth valid. And now from your perspective, if you're saying that they're trying to play on that, you know, to just sort of like get people angry, then maybe, maybe there's a conversation there. But I'd also say that it's the same thing from what I listen to with Rush, with Sean. I think you're level-headed and the other guy that makes all the jokes, you know, regularly, um, Okay, I was Sean Von, Von Hessler. I can't remember mm-hmm. his name. Yep, Eric. Like that. But, but, it's I, the I, I, Eric. So, okay, so I feel like that's a little bit more level-headed. But I do feel like everybody spins a particular narrative for their audience, and it's under the guise you're critiquing media, but, but I would argue that all of this is media, and all of it is for some ways to create a moral panic to get us, to get us nervous. We stay in our own boxes for the most part. 
people that know me, they don't listen to AM750. You know what I mean? But yeah, you, you know, you, you actually make a very good point there in that in, in one of the th- one of the criticisms I've had lately, particularly of the media as a whole, uh, and, and by the media, I mean mostly the mainstream news media, is every even the media that focuses on the tribal divisions in the country is trying very, very hard to keep people within their tribal boxes. Exactly. And and yep. that's a problem. And, and that's why, uh, listen, I, I agree with you that there are problems. Yes, there are problems. But I disagree that they're the problems Stacey Abrams has laid out. Like, for example. Uh, no, the, I, no, 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 I agree with you. Don't, don't yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. I, 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 you I, I think you and I are on the same page on, on that particular point. Um, there are, like, for example, I really do believe Republicans vastly overstate voter fraud. I support a photo ID to vote. I think you should have it. If you got to write a check or get into a government building with photo ID, vote. Uh, but they overstate the problem to fan the flames of Democrats are going to try to steal it. Um, just mm. as I think Democrats overplay the Republicans are, are suppressing the vote to try to fan the flames to get people. What I think is really unhelpful right now in particular, and, and Emmanuel, I, I got to cut you off there because I do have to go check traffic. Uh, you know the clock, so you understand what I what I do. But thank you very much, by the way, for, for having this conversation. It, it was good. What I have a real problem with with Abrams right now is she's really trying to make the claim that Republicans did what they did to keep black people from voting, and it's simply not true. It really is not true. It is as wrong to say that as it is for Republicans to claim that the Democrats were trying to commit wholesale voter fraud, which is something I've also denounced on this program. And I think at a time where we are we are seeing a rise of not just tribalism but racialism in this country— where uh, blacks have to support blacks, Hispanics have to support Hispanics, whites have to support whites. This is deeply unhelpful rhetoric in the same way that some of the president's rhetoric, the media has critiqued him for fanning the flames of racial resentment. It's not helpful. And if it's not good for the president to do, it's not good for Stacey Abrams to do either. Uh, I want to play one more little audio bit from Stacey Abrams before we go to commercial break. This is the rest of her speech. And again, I I want to be very careful here because I know there are radio show hosts out there who will cut up and splice particular pieces of of audio to try to put it all together. I've got a a firm rule on this program that I would rather hear you let you hear more audio than I really want to play for you so that you have complete context and it's not me giving you the context. You can hear it for yourself. And also, I never splice stuff up. The only thing we do that you'll occasionally hear is when there's a long applause line, uh, applause line, we cut out the applause. That's the only editing we ever do of these clips uh, because I don't want you to ever feel like I'm presenting you something that's spliced up to try to convince you of something that's not true. Here's the rest of Abrams. Uh, let's see. Can I get the rest of the Abrams speech here? We suddenly have an audio issue here. Okay. I think I can get the Abrams clip. Here we go. Let's see right here. Places. They rejected absentee ballots at an unheard of rate. They said that if your signature didn't match, your vote didn't count. Well, my signature doesn't match from Kroger to CVS. You know, that's actually, that is a very clever line. And I agree with her on that. But there's just a problem. This is a state law written by the Democrats. And when Stacey Abrams was in the state legislature, she never tried to change that law. She never tried to fix it. And this is the pattern that we're seeing with Stacey Abrams. Stacey Abrams helps 
cause the problems or does nothing to fix the problems and then wants to go out and create racial grievances about the problems to try to inflame the sentiment of black voters that white Republicans are out to get them. Stacey Abrams never tried to fix the signature law in Georgia. She never did. It was a law created by Democrats years ago. It was a law. It's been on the books for more than a, I used to defend elections in the state of Georgia when the Democrats still controlled everything in the state. When Roy Barnes and Zell Miller were governors of the state, and the signature was one of those big issues. The the throwing out absentee ballots. You you know why they threw out so many absentee ballots? Because we had an overwhelming deluge of absentee ballots, and many of them were done by third parties, not actually from the voters, and they had wrong information. And again, this is from one of Abrams' outside groups. Stacey Abrams caused the problems, and now is trying to claim that they they were somehow the the white guy trying to get the black guy. I mean, there's fifty three thousand um, people who were held up in the system. 14,000 of them were bad forms filled out by the Abrams campaign in 2014. All of these situations, this is what she has a recurring pattern of doing, causing problems and then saying, hey, it's not me. It's the white Republican discriminating against you. That's not healthy for any of us. It's what the media accuses Donald Trump of doing, and yet they won't hold her responsible for it. Admit it. You think cybercrime is something that happens to other people. You may think that no one wants your data or that hackers can't grab your passwords or credit card details, but you'd be wrong. Stealing data from unsuspecting people on public Wi-Fi is one of the simplest and cheapest ways for hackers to make money. When you leave your internet connection unencrypted, you might as well be writing your passwords and credit card numbers on a huge billboard for the rest of the world to see. That's why you need ExpressVPN. It secures and makes anonymous your internet browsing by encrypting your data and hiding your public IP address. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, or your tablet. And turning on ExpressVPN protection only takes one click. You can safely surf on public Wi-Fi without being snooped on or having your personal data stolen. For less than $7 a month, you can get the same ExpressVPN protection that so many people have come to rely on. It's the rated number one VPN service by Tech Radar. It comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. Protect yourself online today and find out how to get three months free at expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash E-R-I-C-K for three months free with a one-year package. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. Welcome back. It is Eric Erickson here in Atlanta's Evening News. Uh, Samantha B is on. What is she on? I, I, I've TBS, I guess. Um, it, it's a May. Yes, yes, yes. On on TBS. Um, she is out basically telling people that they should not go see the unplanned movie because the movie is premised on the lie uh, that a fertilized egg is a human being. We're not talking about fertilized eggs of chickens or cats or fish or anything else. We're talking about those of human beings. And guess what? Um, Human beings, at one point, that's a human being. It is amazing to me how willful the left is at denying science while claiming they're pro-science. And this is just another person who is. It's also amazing to me that how she completely fell out of the radar and now she's, I guess, trying to be outrageous on this to come back into the good gracious. When we come back, the Mueller report, we need to spend some time on it. 
Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here, News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station. Uh, This is Atlanta's Evening News, and our phone number is 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Just a couple things out of the gate with the news of the officers in Henry County. Uh, Prayers for all those involved, their families, the police force. Also, my wife... I think I've mentioned before, she has a Harley. She wanted a Harley fat boy. She's wanted a Harley for years. And after she found out she had cancer, she basically pulled the I have cancer card. You have to buy me a motorcycle. So we we got our Harley. And she rides with the local Harley owners group. And she's become very involved in a lot of memorial rides, rides for funerals, for veterans and things. And she's been telling me, and I've been remiss in doing this, getting on air the coordinators of the Georgia Police Memorial Ride. Uh, but nonetheless, I, I, I'm, I dropped the ball on it. But it's happening April 27th. If you ride motorcycles, the 28th Annual Georgia Police Memorial Ride is happening it is happening uh, here in the Atlanta area at the Atlanta Expo Center, I think is where they gather. You can go on Facebook, just put in Georgia Police Memorial Ride uh, on Google or Facebook, wherever, and you'll be able to find the link and get details on it. Uh, it's a great way to support police officers here in the state of Georgia. That is the Georgia Police Memorial Ride. We need to get into this report that people on the Mueller team are upset with the way William Barr characterized the Mueller report. Now, two things here out of the gate. One, uh, Bob Mueller very specifically found no collusion with the Russians. Uh, he, this is a direct quote that William Barr felt comfortable sharing from the Mueller report saying that there was no conspiracy or coordination with the Russians and the Trump campaign or people associated with the campaign to undermine the election in the United States. That That's actually a pretty big deal. But what Mueller did is left it to the Attorney General William Barr and his associates, including Rod Rosenstein and others, to decide if the president committed obstruction. And it's really based on the president's state of mind, which is one reason it was very difficult for Mueller to go there. It was a reason he did not want to make the recommendation. He wanted to offload it to them to decide. He didn't do it. He, he didn't go there. He allowed um, Rosenstein and Barr to do it, and they said this is not something we could prosecute for a variety of factors. Well, people who are familiar with the thinking, um, he, he, the New York Times says it was not people directly involved, but basically people leaking through proxy saying they're upset. There's a lot of information there. But what you need to understand is that the media won't let go of the bar or of the Mueller report because the media is so invested in the collusion narrative. It's funny to watch them move the goalposts from collusion to obstruction because for the past two years, the predominant media coverage has been on the president's campaign team coordinating with the Russians to steal the election. And it turns out that did not happen. So now they've pivoted rather quickly to the issue of whether or not the president obstructed justice by firing James Comey. And again, this is really, really hard to prove. And one of the things that makes it difficult to prove is the Mueller investigators found there was no underlying crime. You can still be charged with obstruction of justice 
involved in your actions to prevent an investigation into something, even if there's no underlying crime. But it becomes much more difficult. It also becomes much more difficult when the president has the power to fire the individual at any time he wants. And, and that's one of the things that's missing here is, in fact, it is true the president of the United States can fire anyone in the executive branch anytime he wants for no reason at all, with one exception, the vice president of the United States who is elected, so he can't fire him. But anybody else the president can fire Remember, the Democrats did the same scandal with George W. Bush. Remember that George W. Bush fired a bunch of U.S. attorneys and they turned it into a scandal. The media willingly amplified it as a scandal when there really was no scandal. Well, the reason President Bush was firing U.S. attorneys and putting others in is because he wanted to give other people the opportunity to serve as U.S. attorney before his term wound down. The media never covered that aspect of it, but it was documented cop copiously by the Bush administration that the reason he was asking these U.S attorneys to leave was not to cover up scandal because there was no scandal. It was to allow other people to have some time to serve as U.S. attorneys before his administration ended and they moved into the private sector. And he could do that. It was within his power to do it. And the media mischaracterized that as much as they're mischaracterizing this. The president could fire James Comey anytime he wanted. The problem is his state of mind, and it's very, very difficult to ascertain what that is. And that's why Mueller did not feel comfortable saying for sure this is collusion or this is obstruction. Some of the people who work with him say, but wait, 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 there, there's some pretty damning stuff in there about what the president actually did. No one disputes that. But was it a crime? Bob Mueller said, no, there was no collusion. There was no crime there. And then the attorney general said, and there's no way we could prosecute him for this because he had the legal right to do it anyway. And by the way, uh, there was no underlying crime. So really what this amounts to is still the partisan grievances of trying to keep this story alive. One of the most important things we do for our health every day is brushing our teeth, yet most of us don't do it properly. Quip is the better electric toothbrush created by dentists with designers. It was designed to make brushing your teeth more simple, affordable, and even enjoyable. In fact, Quip has sonic vibrations that are gentle enough for your sensitive gums, but clean your teeth very thoroughly. People brush too hard sometimes, and some electric toothbrushes are too abrasive, but Quip is just right. It's even got a built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides, helping give a full, even clean. I love my Quip. I've been a Quip user for over two years now. In fact, the last time I went to my orthodontist, just like the time before that, he wondered if I was bleaching my teeth. I'm not. I'm just using my Quip. It's backed by over 20,000 dental professionals, and right now Quip starts for just $25. If you go to getquip.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K, right now, you get your first refill pack for free with a Quip electric toothbrush. So you get your first refill pack free at getquip.com slash Eric. Welcome back. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. My buddy Chip Roy has been on this program a number of times. He's now a congressman from Texas. He was a deputy chief of staff to Rick Perry. He was the chief of staff to Ted Cruz. He was a deputy U.S. attorney. Yeah, he was the first assistant uh, attorney general of Texas for a while. Great, great guy. Wonderful family. Uh, just a dear friend of mine. Very excited for him to be in Congress. He is probably now one of the most conservative members of Congress. He went on TV. Chip uh, had battled cancer, uh, lymphoma. He is in remission, thank goodness. 
He has his scans now every six months, I guess. I, uh, Christy and I pray for him as much as he and his family pray for Christy. It's kind of sweet. His uh, son fills out the prayer card at church all the time over in Texas, and we get notes that uh, they're praying for my wife. Uh, just, just a sweet family. And he went on Fox to talk about health care in this country as the president's team has decided they're not going to fight the ruling that Obamacare is unconstitutional. And there was a big media story that, in fact, the president was going to uh, try to come up with a health care reform package before the election. The president saying, no, 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 we're not going to allow people to lose their health care right now, but we're not going to do this until after 2020. Uh, let me just play you this quick bite from Chip. We have the solutions that the American people want. We want prices of health care to go down. We want health care for all Americans. We want health care for all. Instead of these false promises by Democrats like Medicare for all, which would cost $30 trillion, Bernie Sanders is out on the campaign trail every day criticizing the current broken health care system. And he's right that it's broken, but it's broken because of government intervention. It's broken because costs are going up and people can't get access to insurance or health care. Yes, it is. Uh, one of the things that Chip is a big advocate of it when we speak about this, and he's yelled at me before. He's listened to this here program, and, and he's texted me angrily that I need to correct what I'm saying. <laughs> um, Republicans want people to have access to health care. They want people to uh, be able to go to a doctor of their choice. But it is not a health care is not a Right. It is not a rights in our constitutional republic have to do with your participation in the democratic processes and, and going to a doctor is not that um, it, it, no one has a right to health insurance. We want people to have access to it, but that does not mean the government should have to pay for it. And as Chip points out in this clip again, uh, all of the Republican solutions are designed around lowering the costs of health care so that you can pay for it without going bankrupt. And the Democratic solutions are all designed around the government paying for your health care, irrespective of the rights or irrespective of the costs. And the way the Democrats will control the costs is by rationing health care. So, for example, an old person may not be able to get a chemo treatment or a transplant because they're old. Let them die. And, and Republicans decide that, you know what, if you want to cover the cost, if you want to pay for it, if you're 90 years old and you want to cover your own chemo costs, we will design a healthcare system where the prices are as low as we can get them so that you can do it yourself. And I think that's the better solution long term. When you look at the education system in this country, health care costs and uh, public secondary education costs are the two costs in this country that are continuing to spiral out of control. And they are the two where the government is most involved in setting the prices. Get the government out of the way, prices come down. And I think that's the best approach. Medicare for all will just bankrupt the entire country. I just say one of my pet peeves in the way the media covers um, politics is, is it's so abundantly clear so many of them don't know what they're talking about. Uh, Michael Crichton had a friend, Barty Gelman, who's actually a pretty famous physicist. And uh, it's Michael Crichton, you know, the author of Jurassic Park and uh, Andromeda Strain and the like, he came up with a hypothesis. He called it the, the Gelman hypothesis that... Uh, we, when we 
recognize with our own authority that something is wrong in the media, we tend to dismiss it, and otherwise we presume that everything the media tells us is right. And the more we gain mastery of subjects, the more we realize how often the media gets so many things wrong. Uh, and he tells the story of uh, Marty or Barty, uh, Marty Gell-Mann, his physicist friend who read something on the front page of the paper. It was a major uh, advance and discovery in physics related to the universe. And the reporter got all the basic facts wrong, got the whole story wrong, trying to report it. And uh, Gell-Mann called Crichton and was furious. Crichton was reading the same paper, and on the next page was a story about the uh, Israeli-Palestinian peace process. Uh, Crichton knew enough about it to know that the reporter had gotten the story wrong. Bell, uh, Gell-Mann called Crichton furious just enraged that the reporters would make such basic factual mistakes in this article on the front page of the newspaper, uh, this discovery in physics, and then asked Crichton if he had seen this great story uh, uh, outlining the Israeli-Palestinian crisis on the second page, and Crichton says, well, as a matter of fact, they got all that wrong, too. Uh, and, and his point was that we, if it's in our wheelhouse, we can tell easily when reporters have gotten things wrong, and when it's not, we tend to accept at face value that what they said is right, even though those things probably have mistakes as well. So there's a there's a great example of this. It's House Bill 734, the Ethics and Journalism Act. Andrew Welch, uh, who has uh, resigned his seat, he pushed this forward, and it, basically it would call for an ethics board to come up with standards of ethics uh, for news publications and news broadcasts, it would require that uh, reporters uh, hand over at no charge the tapes of interviews conducted with witnesses and stories, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The, the whole thing's garbage, a violation of the First Amendment. Uh, a really, really, really stupid piece of legislation, frankly. Uh, a really stupid piece of legislation. It sounds really good until you conservatives who hate the media uh, ask yourselves, are they going to do it to Fox News? Are they going to do it to a news talk program like this one? What? It's so stupid. And guess what? It, it didn't go anywhere. And yet, if you Google uh, journalism ethics, ethics in journalism bill, you will find multiple headlines. In fact, um, I, I just put in Ethics and Journalism Act Georgia in Google. The top stories from The Hill, Georgia GOP legislator proposes Journalism Ethics Board. From NBC News, Georgia Republicans push Georgia Republicans push for state journalism ethics board. Reason Magazine, Georgia bill would mandate Journalism Ethics Board. What could possibly go wrong? Um, notice, of course, the NBC News headline, Georgia Republicans push. No one pushed it. The, it, it went nowhere. The legislation went absolutely nowhere. But here we have national news organizations running the story about a bill that went nowhere, uh, using it as an excuse to paint Republicans as bad. Uh, and it was a stupid bill that should have never been dropped in the first place. But still, they generated national headlines with scare tactics over what these evil Republicans in Georgia were doing. It plays perfectly into the... Um, frame for the Democrats in Georgia. The media ate it up and it's nothing. It went nowhere. They didn't even vote on it. Uh, the legislature's gone home now. It's done. And yet it turned into a, uh, a two-day news story. So infuriating. Uh, Andrew Welch, of course, he, he dropped this turd in the punch bowl and then quit. Uh, good riddance for doing something like that. It, the whole thing is ridiculous. But 
the media knew nothing about it and covered it as if this was a factual thing when it went nowhere and everyone knew it was going to go nowhere. Now, relatedly on all this stuff, have you noticed that the Democrats who are upset about the fetal heartbeat bill, one thing they're not doing is they're not calling for a boycott. In fact, Alyssa Milano even had to admit that no Democrats would show up at her press conference. None of the Democrats would show up for her conference. We've been glad to bring billions of dollars in revenue to support Georgia's schools, parks, and communities. But we cannot, in good conscience, continue to recommend our industry remain if in Georgia if HB 481 becomes the law. And there's why the Democrats wouldn't even show up. In fact, the, the as the AJC pointed out, the, the most senior person from government there was a uh, low-level staffer in, in Kemp's office who was just watching the spectacle of it. The Democrats aren't going to show up and support a boycott of the state of Georgia and wreck the economy. I'm sorry, i, I got to play this one more time. My apologies. These are the men that are voting on what goes on inside my uterus. This guy. Thank you. These are the men who are voting for what's going on. I'm pretty sure they don't want to know what's going on in there, Alyssa. I'm pretty sure, nonetheless. Uh, But the Democrats, they they couldn't participate. They wanted to participate, but they know this is a non-starter for them to be out there uh, advocating boycotting. The Democrats, by the way, they're now claiming that they're the party of business in the state because they say that this legislation, this uh, pro-life legislation is going to hurt business in the state and that the Republicans did not give Delta a huge tax break, which I actually think they should have. Uh, they they need to lower the excise gas tax for air, for the airport because Georgia now has the highest fuel tax in the nation, and that's not good. We should not be the highest fuel tax state in the nation, but we are. Um, so the Democrats, they got a capable argument on that one, but on none of the rest of the stuff, nobody really believes they're the business um, folks. And, you know, it's easy for Brian Kemp to respond to this as he just— gets new business into the state of Georgia. But, 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 on the larger issue, uh, it is very significant, I think, that the Democrats aren't willing to actually uh, saber-rattle and fetal heartbeat. They're, they're, they're screaming, but they're not actually taking action, which suggests they understand they can't. All right, y'all have got to even now. I, I, as I said earlier in the show, you should avoid Twitter like the plague. I wish I could. Um, if I didn't do what I did for a living, I would delete my Twitter account. But it actually does help drive traffic to the resurgent because not enough of you are going every day to read the resurgent. By the way, if you want the show notes that I send out every day, uh, text the word "show" to four 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 nine 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 so that you can subscribe to that list. Uh, but the president, it is worth going to see it just for this. The president of the United States is trolling Joe Biden on Twitter. He put up a picture and it's a uh, it's a video of Joe Biden giving his speech about how uh, acceptable social norms have changed and I'll change with the times. Da, 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 da. And he, it's photoshopped in a picture of creepy Joe with his arms out. Uh, the picture from when he's he's got his, he, like he's whispering sweet nothings in the woman's ear and giving her a shoulder shot. <laughs> it's got that and it comes in behind him. And that Joe Biden starts whispering in the ear of the Joe Biden talking to give him a shoulder shot. It is hilarious. I cannot believe, well, I mean, I should believe it because it's Trump, but Oh my gosh, it was so funny. And and talk about turning Biden into a meme. Um, wow. 
the president is the only person in his administration smart enough to take Joe Biden seriously as a real threat to his second term. And uh, people in his administration keep telling him not to worry that, that Biden's not even going to make it through a Democratic primary. I'm not sure. The polling suggests that Biden can go the distance, that most Democrats actually don't care. It's only the crazy ones on Twitter who care about all this stuff. But the president is doing his best to help define Joe Biden in that way. Goodness. Okay. Well, we're out of time. Uh, tomorrow, I'll be in for Mark Aram. For, so the show will be three hours tomorrow. We'll spend more time with your phone calls tomorrow night as well. You guys have a great night. See you then. 